Thank you for tuning into the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Remember these phone calls. Like, I remember the first text message that said uh, Cam had flipped his truck. He was driving like a trailblazer uh, back then. And, and an avalanche, my bad, an avalanche. <laughs> and, and it wasn't just that he got into a car accident. It was that he flipped his truck. That was what I was told. And I was like, oh, man, well, we'll be praying. Is he okay? Yeah, he's, he's a little hurt, banged up, and, and on and on. And then he sent me that video. The video that played at the very end, can you, can you just put that back up just for, for one second? Because when he told me like, oh yeah, it was a crazy, crazy thing. And then he shows me this video of the car being on fire. And it, I was like, well, Kim, how, how did you get out of there? I don't know. What would you, what'd you do? Like, did, did you, nothing, man, I, I don't. I don't know, but the gravity of all that happened, like in one moment, his, his life is literally turned upside down. The flames are all around, like, and he's not a small guy crawling out a window, right? Like, it's just so incredible. And that's one of the things that I love about this series, that we're able to just stop and reflect on the incredible things that God has done and, and I don't know if it does this for you like it does for me. Like it gives me hope that what is in front of me, God can. Because as I look behind and as I hear the stories of other people, I see that God has. And so it's no problem because he's done it before. He can do it again. He's got the same power. He's not running out. He's not scrambling trying to figure things out. He's got it covered. I'm so excited about this series and and as I was thinking about uh, just Cam getting out of, of the truck and, and, and not knowing how it worked and, and not doing anything, not remembering how, not, I did nothing. It, it made me think about the other times where that's our normal response. Sometimes without even thinking about it, we answer nothing w- without even thinking about it. A great example, parents, like we're, we're wrapping Christmas presents or you're hiding Christmas presents. I'm sure that there are some of us in the room that have caught our kids in the hiding places. And when we catch them, what are you doing? Nothing. And then they get creative right after that. Well, you know, I thought your closet needed a little bit more organization, so I figured I would lend my skills. Knowing they haven't cleaned their room in two and a half years, like, but suddenly they can clean your closet. Or, or you know, some of you have multiple kids, or if you have people over, you, you know that one moment where something kind of washes over you like, there's something amiss. Normally when it's when the kids are all in one room and it gets really quiet. And then you, I, I don't know if you walk into the room calmly. I try to bust in on, in those moments like, what are you doing? And, the, you know, there's always one kid that's not paying attention. Nothing. You know, they spin around real quick. We're not doing anything. Nothing. Or there, there's other times like if, if I am trying to enjoy one of my favorite snacks privately. And, and if ever there's a moment where I'm interrupted in that. Um, where one of my kids might pop in and like, what are you doing? Nothing. What do you, what do you have? Nothing. Nothing I'm willing to share with you. Move along. 
But, but right, we, we have these, these moments where nothing comes out really quickly. And it doesn't just happen in those funny scenarios. Like those are, those are cute. But then life puts us in situations where it feels like we have nothing. And those aren't as fun. You, you know those, those moments where our best friends turn into enemies. And we can't figure out why because there's no explanation given. There's just animosity. There are things being done. You know, the, the lies that people tell about you that cut so deeply. Or, or maybe it's, it's when you, you end up losing your job out of, the, out of nowhere. You just had your review and, and people told you how great, how great you are and what an asset you are to the company. And then a week later, they let you go. Our spouse decides they don't love us anymore. They leave. They give reasons, but none of them seem to really allow us to be like, okay, I, I understand it. They leave and you feel like you're left with nothing. Tragedy hits, hits your family. Deaths, expected and unexpected, seemingly have the weight to be able to crush you. Doctors' reports, diagnosis, a, a yearly checkup turns into, well, we found something. Relationships in families get stressed and, and stretched. Bills continue to come in. Like There are so many different things that continue to mount up, and, and we keep trying Right? We, we try to keep going. We put our best face on. We, we try to put in our best work and we keep giving and we keep doing. But we feel like oftentimes like there is nothing left. There's nothing left to give. There's no more strength, no more money, no more tears to cry. There's no more hope. And if you came in this morning feeling like you have nothing today... Nothing to solve your problem, nothing to give God to do anything with today. I'm here to tell you that's all right because he'll take your nothing. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask this morning that you would speak to our hearts. That you would use your word to speak to where we are right now. Father, I pray that you would anoint me to communicate your word to your people. Help me to do it clearly and confidently so that they can hear you more than they hear me. Lord, I pray that our ears and our hearts would be open to you today. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So turn your Bibles this morning with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to read um, this week one of my favorite stories. As I've been studying it more and more, I enjoy reading it more and more. In verse 1, it starts like this. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. And we're going to stop here because if we rush too far into this story too fast, we'll miss that this is a terrible story to start with. Like this is December and we're supposed to be happy and joyful. And that first verse is terrible. It's a horrible story that some of us feel like we can identify with. Look at what she's saying. Like, man, her family was in debt and then her husband dies. 
they're still in debt. And not only have they been in debt, but the creditors are coming and they are threatening to take away her kids to work off the debt. In, in one moment, she could lose all of her family. She's already lost her husband. And if they take her sons to pay off the debt, she loses everyone. Then what happens to her? What happens to the mom that's left all alone? What happens to their house? What happens to the land that was given to them as an inheritance that they were supposed to take care of? It was supposed to provide for their family. Who takes care of it then if everybody's gone? What a, what a terrible spot to be in. I mean, I, I'm, I'm watching uh, her life in, in my mind, envisioning like dominoes falling one after another. And, and nothing seems to be able to stop everything from falling apart. And this is how our lives feel at times. We feel as if the... Things are falling apart or spiraling out of control. We can't seem to get our hands on it. We can't seem to catch our breath in between the moments that are taking our breath away. And sometimes it makes us wonder, can we do this anymore? I don't have anything left. So what do you do? When life is too big to handle, when the situations in front of you seem overwhelming and, and maybe not even seem, but they are overwhelming, what do you do when you're stuck? When no matter what you try to do, you seem to be in the same spot with the same issues, where do you turn when you just can't? When you can't do anything at all, when you're left with nothing? See, some of us respond in these moments by ignoring the problems. We, we want to close our eyes and hope that when we open them up that things have changed. Maybe if I pretend that I didn't get that bill yesterday that said I only got 15 days to respond. Maybe if I just ignore that, then something will change. Sometimes we, we run from our problems. I'll just move. They won't find me over here. We'll just pack up and go. We try to run from our problems to escape them. If I could just stay a step ahead, then, then at some point I'll catch my breath. I'll be able to handle it, but I just need to, to keep moving. Sometimes we try to hide from our problems. Some of us have turned to substances and, and activities that hopefully will take our minds off of things. It'll just make us feel a little bit better, only to realize that once the adrenaline wears off, once the buzz wears off, once the high wears off, we are still in the same spot and more than likely worse than we were before. So today I want to invite you to choose to do something different. Something that we see this woman do with her situation and take it to God. I want to remind you, and this seems like such a, a church thing or a pastor thing to say, but take it to God. You can bring your needs to him. And, and, and I want you to see this woman who had a mountain of problems. What did she do? She found the man of God. 
You see, in, in this day, Elisha was God's representative. He was the one who delivered God's word, who did God's work. So if she thought that maybe God would get involved in what's going on in her situation, she went to the person that may have a word for her or may do a work for her. She went to God. It was the best place for her to go. And I don't know if this was her initial response or if this was her last resort. None of that matters for us. What I'm going to challenge you to do today is make going to God the first response to what you're going through. That it's not when you're exhausted. It's not when you worked all your angles that you take it to him. That you take it to him before you figure out that you don't know how to get out of it. That whenever it is that is in front of you that gives you pause, that makes you stop and wonder, well, that's the time that we bring it to God. He's our first response. And it doesn't have to be an incredible show. You don't have to make a thing of it. You just are honest with him. You have a conversation and say, God, you, you already know this, but I just want you to know, like, here I am. This is what's going on. This is, th these are my fears. This is the reality of what's happening. And when we take it to God, we may just discover that not only is he listening, but he's been waiting to get involved all along. Verse 2, what can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And when I read this verse, I, I, I think, like, did she think about choking him after he asked these first two questions? <laughs> right, like, when you think about well, what, what would be really good questions to ask in this scenario, how do you want me to help you? What you got in your pocket, sir? Uh, can, you, can, you, can you help me out a little bit? Like, I'm in debt. I just laid out all the problems. And then he says, well, what do you have? Well, sir, nothing. That's exactly what I'm bringing to the table right now, nothing. Like, it, it seems like he's being insensitive by asking these questions. The, the word that she uses for nothing in the original language isn't just nothing. Like, it paints a picture of her house being empty. Empty because she either had to sell everything because of the debt or lost everything because of the debt that she was in. But I don't think that Elisha was doing this to be mean. I, I don't think that he was doing this uh, to, to point out um, what was going on. Like, I think that he was doing something else, something that, that we even see Jesus doing. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago when, when he met the, the man that was lame at the pool of Bethesda. And, and he says... Do you want to be healed? Other times he asked people, what, what can I do? How can I do it? When, when Jesus was getting ready to feed 5,000 men with five loaves and two fish, the first thing he told the disciples were, you feed them, what do you got? I don't think it was this, this mean thing that he was pointing at. I, I think what he was doing is something that he's probably doing right now that he will ask us to do even today, and that's take a look at your heart. Because what do you have is a heart question. Elisha was trying to see if there was any room for God in this situation. Watch this. I love coffee. If you don't know anything else about me, I love coffee. Um, oftentimes, I'll be at a couple different coffee shops here and there, and, and my good friend Daniel Chris will show up. He'll text me. He'll be like, are you at the library? Are you on Chipman? Um, I'll let him know, and then he's like, all right, here I come. And then he'll stroll in, and he'll get his drink, and I got mine. And, and when you go and order coffee, 
If you just order regular coffee like I do, they'll ask you a question every time you order it. Would you like room for cream? And if it's really good coffee, I say, I'm good. Just fill it all the way up. If we're somewhere I'm unsure, I'll say, yes, please leave me a little room so I can add some cream and sugar just to make sure it gets good flavor. Here's where the problem comes in. If you ever get a cup of coffee and you say, no, I don't want any room at all, and they fill it all the way up, and then you walk back to your seat, and you give it one of these, all of a sudden you're like, I should have asked for room. Because you're stuck. It's already full. So now in order to experience something different, what do you have to do? I have to begin to pour out what's filled my cup so that I can allow something else to be poured in. When Elisha is asking her, what do you have? He's trying to find out, is there room in her heart for what God can do? I think really what he was getting at was he was trying to figure out if she was full or if she could be filled. Because that's a question that we all have to answer. Are we walking around full of ourselves? Full so much that what we're asking God to pour into our lives, there is no room for him to pour it in. I mean, not that you do this, but, but maybe people that you know, when they're stuck, when, when they're struggling with things, when, the, when things are overwhelming them, maybe they just have already determined that they're going to work harder. I just figured I just need to grind more. I need to get an extra job. I got this. I'll get this handled. Or, or maybe when those things come, they're like that lame man, and they are, they're full of excuses as, as to why they can't and why this won't, and this is what life looks like, and I guess I won't be able to. Or, or maybe like, like Pastor Tasia talked about last week that we're full of our own weapons, and we haven't taken them off yet, so we just want to fight the battle. Like I got all my stuff on. Let's go. I'll just do it my way. I mean, or, or maybe we pray prayers and give God the answers to the prayers because we know how to work it anyways. Are we full or can we be filled? You see, this is important because when you are full, you can't be filled. And the very thing we're asking God to do, the very prayer we are praying, he can't. Not that he won't. Then we get mad at him. Why haven't you moved? Well, why haven't you emptied out what's in your heart? So what do you have this morning? Is there room for God to work in your life? In the situation that, that you're asking him to get involved in, is there something? Is there something, even though you feel like there's nothing, is there something that God can use that you've been holding Onto. Here was her response. What do you have? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons, shut the door behind you, pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. She had nothing Except she did have something. But when Elisha was asking what she had, I would imagine she did like most of us do. Like when things are going out of control, we don't look for things to give away. We look for things to hold on to. What can I control? What can I keep in this grasp? Because everything is falling through. How can I hold on to it? And sometimes we feel like that that thing is so insignificant, God wouldn't want it anyway. So what do you got? And I got nothing. 
but our hands are full. We, we have an exception this morning. I will ask you to give God that exception because what he does may start with giving him what we have, even if we think it's not enough to make a difference. Let me put it another way. Trust him with your nothing. Can I tell you this morning that God is waiting for some of us to release the grip that we have on what we have? Let go. Here's, here's the thing. Sometimes we feel like God is asking us for more. But he's not asking us for more. He's asking us to trust him for more because he is not limited by how much he has or we have, but how much we will let go of. Thank you for the soft clap. So she's like, okay, I think, I think I can do this. As she begins to give her nothing, as Elisha is laying out the plan, I want you to notice what he does. He tells her to go and borrow from your friends and neighbors. She doesn't have anything. What he asked her to go and get is something that she didn't have in her home. She didn't have available to her. She needed to go borrow this. Now, some of us, this is where it would have broke down for us. I can't ask people to help me. I got an image to maintain. I can't, you know what, I want people in my business. I want them to know stuff like, ah. Can you imagine for her how embarrassing it must have been to go to her friend's house and ask, um, so Elisha's here and he's crazy. Um, he told me, he's he the one that sent me here today um, to your home. Do you have any jars, vessels, pitchers, anything that, that's empty that I could borrow? I'll bring them back. I'll bring them back. Promise. Promise. If she's like me and you, I probably would have thought next door neighbor across the street, like that's really about it. That's all I'm going to. I think, I think Elisha knew. I, I think he knew how tough it would be for her, that how she would feel in this moment. Because he, he doesn't say to go to your friends and neighbors and get a couple. I think what he was doing was he was trying to keep her from settling what, what, did, what did he say don't go and get just a few Here, here's why this was keeping her from settling and, and here's, here's what I want you to hear today he didn't want her situation and her experience right now to limit her experience with God he didn't want the nothing that she had, the fact that she couldn't pull together all of these things. He didn't want her current circumstance to limit the experience that God wanted to give her. So he said, hey, when you go to borrow, don't borrow a few. Get as many as you can. He was trying to show her that, see, our experiences and our expectations are, are, are tied together at times. And sometimes when we feel like we have nothing, our expectation of God is small. And he was like, in case you have a small expectation, I want you to know, go get as many as you can. And when you bring them in, just watch and see what happens. And so for some of you, some of you in the room, you may need to go to your friends and neighbors and borrow some of 
of their faith for what's going on in your world. You may need to ask them. You may need to come and talk to Cam and say, Cam, tell me again. Tell me the story. How were you delivered? What did God do? How did he save you? Tell me about it again. I need some hope this morning. You may find someone else and listen to what God did for them so that you can believe again that God can do the impossible that's going on in your world. You may need to go and ask more people to pray about your situation. You may need to not ask a few. You may need to ask a few more. And they can pray for you. Here's always the concern. Well, what about they can pray about your need without knowing all of the details. Invite them in. Here's the thing, man. If we're going through this mess and if we're brave enough to bring it to God, let's go all out for the solution that he lays in front of us. Let's not settle for some when we could have even more of what God has for us. And then he tells her, once you get all this stuff, go into the house, close the doors. Just you and your sons. Because sometimes we need to shut ourselves in with God. There are going to be moments where God wants to do something that is just for you. And he doesn't want any distractions. He doesn't want any outside voices. You may have to leave your phone off, not in another room, but off. You may have to put certain people a little bit further away. You may need to just shut yourself in with God. Because like he did with them, I, I love this part of this story. Because he had something that was just for them. He had other people involved, but then there was a moment where he had something just for them. And that tells me this, that if we will get alone with God, he wants you to know that he's not just going to give you provision, but his personal attention. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. Then the olive oil stopped flowing. And when she told the man of God what happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. See, as they shut themselves in, God began to do a miracle. This private miracle would then become a public testimony. I mean, think about it. As she's selling these, these vessels full of oil, and she gets to take them back and be like, hey, thanks for that. I don't need it anymore because God poured out a lot of oil in there, and then he got me out of debt, and now I got stuff to live on. Hey, thanks for giving me your vessel. Like, she got to tell it over and over and over again. And I want you to begin to think about your own story and what you're in right now. What if you don't have any more medical debt? What if the prodigal comes home? What if that diagnosis isn't what God does? What if what what you've been praying for is exactly what God does. What about the story that you can tell? That private miracle becomes the public platform for you to introduce people to a God that is good even when life isn't good. Man, and this miracle, this miracle didn't start until they let go of the nothing that she had. That oil didn't start flowing until they had the courage to pour. Nothing changes until they trusted God with their nothing. But then they discovered not only did God have enough, but that there is more. Now, 
Now, now see, there, there's only a couple of you that, that made the face. But come on, there, there, is, there is more. See, because here, here's what we like to say, and, and I got this from my father-in-law, but soon it's just going to be mine because he's old. They, don't tell him I said that. He's probably watching. Hi, Pop. Um, God, the God that we serve, he isn't a just enough kind of God. He is an and then some kind of God. See, th this is a God that can make manna fall from heaven. This is the kind of God that make water come out of rocks. This is the kind of God that can take a little boy's school lunch, five loaves, two fish, and feed probably between 10 and 20,000 people until they were full and then give you leftovers to eat the next day just to remind you tomorrow I got what you need. He never runs out. What he has for you is not deteriorating. It's not going down. As they poured that little flask of oil out, it kept filling up and filling up and filling up. Why? Because the God that was pouring into the oil, he never runs out. He always has more than enough. There is more for you this morning. See, they may have had a small flask of oil, but they had a big God who kept pouring into it as they trusted him with it. And then her story begins to change. At first, when we first read the first verse, what defined her? The amount of debt that she had. But by the end of the story, it wasn't the amount of debt, but the amount of oil that God poured out that would define her life. Because not only was there enough oil to pay off the debt, there was enough oil to live off of. And catch this this morning. God didn't just provide help. He provided hope and a future. Nah, let me put it this way. What God did in that moment took a mom and made her into a merchant. What if, what if he could do that for you? What if, what if the problem that you are facing, the problem of not having enough is what she was facing it wasn't that she didn't have enough oil. She didn't have enough money. God provided in such a way that problem turned into purpose for her. What if your problem turns into purpose? What if your problem and your problem and your problem and your problem and your problem, what if what you are worried about, fretting over, praying about, what if God says, if you would just let go, if you would just trust me, I got purpose behind this problem. If you will trust me, there is more. Oh, man. We have to stop letting our circumstances threaten what we think God can do and start threatening our circumstances with who our God is. He's came through too many times. He's shown up more than enough. When he stopped being so afraid and figure out a way to let go and be full of faith, there is more. His oil doesn't run out while there is a jar to fill. There is more. He has more than you need this morning. 
And so maybe you didn't come in here with a jar. Maybe you came in here with a problem. Maybe you came in here with a physical need. The, the God that, that, that I serve, that is an aninsome God that always has more. I, I believe this, that as you respond to what he is asking you to do this morning, as you respond to what his voice is speaking to you right now, I, I believe this, that you may come down here asking for physical healing. And tomorrow you discover that God made a way and you hadn't even begun to pray about that yet. That God can, can show up and give you favor at work and restore your marriage because he's got more than enough. He can open up a door for you. He can repair relationships with your son and your daughter and heal your body at the same time. He may be able to put your body back together and take the, mended, the pieces of your heart and mend them this morning. He has more than enough power, more than enough oil. If we will bring him empty jars this morning, he will fill them to the brim. If we let go of our nothing, that allows God to work and to do something. And from what I've seen, he loves filling what is empty. And he doesn't just fill it with anything. He replaces that emptiness with an abundance of life and hope and joy and peace and purpose. I can look at the woman at the, at the well and her life was empty. But when Jesus filled it, she had hope and purpose like she's never known. There was a leper. This life was empty because of the disease. He was alone because of this disease. But when Jesus filled him with health and wholeness. He was restored to his family. There was Mary and Martha who were empty because of the death of their brother Lazarus, but as Jesus raises him from the dead, their lives were full of joy and hope and astonishment of what God could do as they see their brother walking and talking back from the dead. Peter was empty because of his denial and failure in front of Jesus. But when God showed up, when Jesus had that next conversation with him and filled him up again with purpose and hope, and my life was empty because of me, because of sin, because of all of the things that I tried to do on my own, but Jesus filled it with purpose and destiny and hope. God loves filling things that are empty. If we will bring it to him, if we will stop holding on to our nothing, he will fill it over and over and over again. So bring him what you have this morning. You can bring him those needs that are weighing you down, those burdens, those cares. Because he doesn't just want to meet the need. He also wants to mend the person with the need. You see, this story is, is even more significant when we look back and realize that this woman was, she was always looked over. As a widow, there, there weren't many people to take care of her. She was along the fringes. Maybe she would fall through the cracks and maybe no one would care about her story. But God did. This morning you may have came in wondering, does God care? That life has been throwing you for a loop over and over again. You feel empty on the inside. I'm here to share with you today that he cares for you. He cares so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to pay the price for the sin that you committed, that I committed. And the love that he has isn't just for the whole world, but it's for you 
And if you would have been the only one to sin, Jesus would have still came and died just for you. That's how important you are to him. He offered his life to pay the price for the sin that you and I commit that we couldn't pay for. And he doesn't just take care of the debt, then he gives us life after that. Life that is full, life that is free, life that is filled in a way that satisfies like never before. And maybe that's what you need this morning. Would you close your eyes with me for just a moment? Take a look at your heart today. If you're here today and you would say, PK, I I need to, to give my life to Jesus. I need, I need him. I feel empty and lost. I want to give my life to him today. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say, PK, that's, that's me. Would you pray with me? Yeah, I see that hand. Who else? I see that hand. Who else? Is there anybody else? Yeah, yeah. Would everyone stand with me as we move towards our response time? This morning, if, if you raised your hand or you know that, that you should have, you weren't sure if you could, but you feel like on the inside, that's, that's God. He wants to bring change, but he's not going to force his way in. He's calling your name, wanting to fill the empty places of who you are with him. So I'm just going to invite you, if you raised your hand this morning and said, Pastor Kevin, that, that's me. I, I need to connect with Jesus again. I need to give my life to him. I want you to step out from where you are and move down to the front. Come to the altar. We're going to pray together. If that was you, we're going to wait a couple of minutes. There were a few people that raised their hand. If that's you this morning, make your way to the front. Be brave. Be brave. Join me right here. We'll wait for a minute more. Yeah, come on. Put your hands together. Who else? Whoa. I'm just going to wait. Anybody else? Anybody else? And as they're praying, reconnecting their hearts and lives to God, I I turn to you now. What did you come in here with? What do you need God to do this morning? Because this miracle isn't just about God's greatness and how big and strong and powerful he is, but it's also about his goodness and how he sees those who are hurting, those who feel alone, those who feel overwhelmed and overlooked, And if you're carrying something this morning that is too big, I would invite you to take it to God. As the worship team begins to sing, if 
If that's you this morning, I just want you to step into the aisle, down to the front as, as something you're going to respond physically to what God is saying to you spiritually. And as you do that, we're going to come and pray with you and pray for you that God does because there is more for you. Your need this morning is not out of his sight. It's not out of the realm of possibility. He has more for you. So if you bring it to him, he'll fill. He'll fill it. And then some. So let's respond to what God is saying this morning. Our prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.